welcome to Architecture Talk Tang. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Sarah Colato of Architecture Talk Tank. Uh, really excited because I'm doing a live this time round, first time. And my guest is Niasha Harper-Michon. Thank you, Niasha, so much for joining me. Uh, would you like to tell uh, people a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you do? Hi, thanks so much for having me, uh, Sarah. It's really great to be here. Um, so I'm Niasha, as Sarah said. And um, I'm a creative and strategic thinker, and I really thrive at the intersection between design, business, and technology. I currently work as an architect and business developer slash marketer at RAL, and we're an Amsterdam-based architecture office specialized in circular architecture, so architecture that's based on circular economy design principles. Um, I'm also a columnist. I write a column for an online magazine here in, in the Netherlands. Um, and so it's actually in Dutch, but I write in English and then it's translated. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really passionate about anything to do with well-being and the health of people, place and planet. And that combined with uh, technology and business is where I really like to be. So that's a bit kind of me in a nutshell. That's amazing. Uh, well, thank you for this great introduction. And uh, really, I... I, I met you already like a few months ago, actually, and I remember we had a really amazing conversation um, about the architecture industry and business. So I wanted to ask you a little bit more. In fact, actually, I'm also curious to find out a bit more about you um, because I know that you're an architect um, that obviously is graduated and trained in architecture, but also you very much go in the side of a business as well. You're interested in marketing and business and you work in that sector as a business developer. So I'm curious how it all started and when was that moment where you somehow realized that you want to expand um, from architecture also to business growth and the systems and structures that you need to put in place to actually run a successful architecture firm? Yeah, I think uh, it's uh, it's one of those things. I, I don't know that I have a one moment or something that I can say, ah, there was a click and then I sort of switched. Uh, but throughout my, um, let's say, my my education, I was always kind of interested in, in beyond just the design aspects of, of being an architect, but also what it is to, to practice and, and what that would be like. And after my uh, undergraduate degree, I started working um, straight away. And I, I, was, I just thought it was great to actually see how the profession works. And I realized there was a slight disconnect with what we're taught um, in school. And then during my master's, I did a master's where I worked and studied at the same time. 
So I was able to kind of see the see both worlds at the same time, and which I think really showed me um, the the reality of, of the profession versus what we're taught in school, and the fact that in school we're not really taught to um, think about the client necessarily because we work with a, with a teacher who's an, another architect who understands our way of seeing things, and we just design for us in in this kind of way. And there's this noble architect, and we're the best. This is kind of the the um, the feeling, at least that I I felt in school. But in reality, yeah, we work with these other people who are investing a lot to create this project and who are in the end going to be either the end users or the owners uh, of the project. And they're kind of left behind in school. So it's a, a big transition to sort of work them into how we work um, in the profession. But it's really important because these are the people we serve. And I think we need to work with a better relationship with them for sure. Um, to better understand their needs, their pain points, and address those in our design and in the relationship that we have with them. But yeah, it's been something that was kind of always been in the back of my mind. And then my wife is also um, a marketer and a business owner, or she was in the past. And so her way of thinking also um, showed me a different side to things. And I was like, oh, this is very interesting and it makes a lot of sense and we need to know more about it uh, in the profession. Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, I think um, what's really interesting is obviously that architecture is a service-based industry. So a lot of times when we think about the needs of our clients, I think that architects still think that it's like all related to design. So it's like, well, they just need a house, you know, they just need an extra room. Um, but, you know, in marketing, we have all these different layers to really judge like the pain points, you know, and it is a little bit of a keyword here that like, um, you know, indicates really the depth almost like of how far you need to go to understand really the problem that uh, brings the customer to your solution. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm just curious because of your experience, like, can you elaborate a little bit more or like show us or maybe tell us a little bit more like how you do that within the architecture office that you work in because i think that um when it comes really to like practically judging the pain points of a client i think that a lot of architects get stuck at a very like shallow level of like understanding their needs you know so how do how would you go beyond that level to a little bit more of depth to understand your clients yeah i think you know sarah i think it's one of those things where um, we usually architects tend to to kind of come from a an a like a, an individual or let's say you speak about yourself first and you think about you know we are a good office and we are great and blah blah blah. Um, but I think the main thing is to sort of put yourself in in your client's shoes and and try to understand um, why they want to do this project and not just like you said I need a house or I need a new office building but what are the real um, uh, reasons behind this? And also, what's the timeline? What's been going on behind? Because when you've already been brought onto a project, a lot, a lot of discussion, a lot of uh, stuff has happened beforehand that's really important to know. So I think it's good to discuss with the client to try to understand further, um, really ask questions, listen. I think that's a big one. Just be open-minded and, and listen to, to what the client uh, has to say. And also um, clients is, you know, when we work, especially we work in like B2B, so with other businesses, so it's not like residential um, 
sort of architecture in, in that way. But when you're working with B2B um, uh, clients, it's also, also different people uh, within this company that you're working with. It's also not just one client in a way. There's different people, the, the project leader or project manager, the CEO. There's all sorts of different people who may have um, different goals, different personal goals for this project. And that's also important to, to understand so that you can maybe help your project manager finish their projects so they don't get in trouble uh, further up the line or, or whatever it is. But understanding also on a personal level, I think, is really important um, because then you're able to help this person uh, that you're working with help their career. And, and that's going to also create a much better relationship than if you just see this as a, as a business or as just a group or something and, and you're uh, in opposition with them. Like, how can I help you um, uh, get your uh, achieve your goals, and and how can how can I help you or the other people in your office uh, achieve their goals? It's it's kind of the the mindset I think you have to be in. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And actually, speaking of that mindset, um, I very much wanted to refer to your recent article, which actually I already posted um, under this description of this live. So if you guys are interested, you can check it out. Um, but Niasha wrote a really interesting article and uh, it talks sort of about the three myths um, and belief systems of architects. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think that belief systems are very much rooted in something that very, we take away from our education, from university and also from practice. And a lot of times we believe them to be true until you start reflecting from your experience, your experience as an architect to other industries, for example, to business or, or marketing, um, and start realizing that uh, actually it's not true. It's just a sort of like a, so, a, a socially or like a commonly accepted truth, um, which mm -hmm. has really no um, no grounding, so to speak, in, in real life situation. So it's interesting because um, you, you, you talk in your uh, blog about um, Good work will get noticed. So <laughs> the importance of design and how like a lot of designers believe that um, basically the successful firm is built on good design. Um, so do you want to elaborate a little bit around that first myth, how you came across it and, uh, and you know, and just basically how do you find it to be false? Yeah, um, good design will sell itself. It's really one of those things that uh, I think, yeah, it, it's really, you're kind of taught this in school and it's ingrained, like you said, uh, in, in, in your way of seeing things. But I think it's false because it's not just uh, about the good design. Like it, good design is important. Uh, don't get me wrong. It, I'm not saying that mediocre design is what we should be doing. Um, what I, the point that I'm trying to make by saying that is more um, the fact that that's not all that you need to actually get noticed. Because if you have great ideas, but you're, you know, in your own sort of space and you're just doing it by yourself, maybe no one will actually know. And then someone who has a similar project as the project, maybe that this is some great idea about, wouldn't know to then talk to you and be like, oh, could you also do this for me? Um, so getting the word out and, and promoting your work and promoting the knowledge that you have and, and the experience that you have is really important. And it, it's, it makes a huge difference between just having a good design that nobody will ever know about 
and a good design that can really change the lives of, of many people. It's that's the difference. And I think as architects, a lot of us um, want to want to do good. It's kind of it's maybe a bit cliche, but I think a lot of a lot of the ambitions of architects are to to do good for other people and create spaces that that bring life to and joy to, to people's lives. So it's important to to show that, to promote that, promote your ideas, who you are, what you do, what services you, you offer, and then you can really get noticed and and go on making these good designs. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects, a team of architects and technologists focus on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable. Offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well, now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Colada. Absolutely. Yeah, I really agree with this. And uh, it's interesting because it kind of takes me also to the second point where you you talked about marketing. Um, and, you know, it's it's really quite an interesting topic, also marketing in architecture, because Within the US, for example, like in the 70s, actually marketing was prohibited for architects. And uh, we just globally don't quite know how to market ourselves appropriately. And I find a lot of um, somehow mis misconception around what marketing is. And um, I think that we are not taught to really understand like what message we put in front of what clients and where that client is, which is like the ABC of marketing. And a lot of architects are simply believing that if they get published in design magazines, that's marketing for them. Except that design magazines, especially the expensive ones and the ones that are like really fancy, are mostly read by other designers. Okay. So they're not your perfect client. They most likely won't be a person that will be looking to build an architecture project. And um, mm -hmm. so there is this like miss <laughs> there. And it, it's such a simple truth like somehow but i think a lot of architects don't really think about it and get to realize it and so i think marketing and to understand the concepts of marketing for architects is really important it's fundamental um so can you elaborate a little bit more on your vision of it and also of course how how did you find that to be well the the marketing myth to be also a myth around an architecture industry yeah, so so the second myth was uh, marketing is for the top dogs, and and the idea was that well in my in the the jobs that I've had and and talking with different architects and the general feeling is that marketing is is too much like if if you if you have a good I mean it comes back to the first one that if you have a good product you don't need to sell it you know and that 
that selling is some sort of bad thing. Um, so it, it's you have to really switch the way um, that we think about marketing. And like you said, we have this this negative relationship with marketing, which is so strange because marketing in itself is just um, neutral. There's it's not it's neither positive nor negative. It, it's what how you do with it. Of course, you can sell bad things uh, in a you know to people, but that's not the point. The point is to sell your ideas and and get them known through marketing and the real thing with this is that people also tend to think that it's only for larger offices or offices where you have a marketing team so then there's specialized people but i i think that with a few things uh, a few hours let's say in the work week you can get quite a bit done and as you were saying earlier um the the digital space is where it's happening and that's quite easy to just get uh, started with it's also i think you, you don't have to be so um it's it's not something that you have to think long hours about and and have some sort of huge plan you can also get started in a kind of experimental way and test what works test what doesn't work and, and make adjustments which i think is really great so just you know blogging about your ideas and and some solutions that you've had in the past. Maybe there's questions that clients always ask that you can already blog about and, and sort of bring that information to, to potential clients or social media posts um, about uh, their projects or uh, processes, different things. It's kind of up to you to sort of build the, the narrative that fits with your, with your business and with your brand. Um, but yeah, I think it's great if you can establish yourself as a... Um, as an authority in your field and 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 present yourself as such to the world online and i think that's a really great way of of marketing yourself and it's not only for for the top dogs i think anyone can kind of get out there on social media or on blogs or whatnot and and get their message out there this episode of architecture talk tank is brought to you by the mgs global group a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing this. I agree with you, you know, tenfold, really. <laughs> and, um, and I'm going to jump to the mid three, which you busted in your article. Business development is about winning tenders. I love this one because, <laughs> uh, because um, we we say a lot. Also, I, I do a um, series of lives in a group called Value of an Architect. If anyone wants to check it out, please join, guys. And um, I'm, I'm running it with Simone de Gaulle, and she, she basically is an architect, um, chartered with the RIBA as well and um, and, uh, and the RIBA uh, works works in an RIBA also as a council member and it's really um, something we discuss a lot in respect of value 
is how a lot of architects globally are actually getting projects for free by taking parts in competitions. And essentially, if you don't get chosen to be one of the top three or something like this, you end up um, putting all that time of your and your team for free out there and not winning those tenders. And um, that doesn't really particularly contribute to your build portfolio. Um, it definitely is a waste of time and it's selling yourself short. Um, but we somehow have such a like strong culture of like taking part in competitions engraved in us uh, that you know I almost I almost believe that an architect cannot imagine often not to take part in competitions and try to uh, win win um, tenders basically. So I think that is a very valid point. And uh, tell us a little bit more um, about it. Sure. Yeah, business development isn't only about uh, winning tenders or competitions, and and it's it's really more a lot more than that, of course. And that's very reactive, uh, because then you're just waiting for something to be posted, and then if it's if it kind of fits your uh, your business, then you apply. So you're really waiting for someone else in a way, and and if there's no tenders that fit, then you don't have any. Um, projects coming up, it's not very good for business, it's not a very sustainable way of, of getting work. Um, and also the reality of tenders is also that sometimes there's a lot of public tenders that are put out that maybe uh, they also have a certain office in mind that they have to tender the, the project publicly. And so you can also be, yeah, like you said, wasting your time actually, because you're yeah. most likely not going to get the project. And you put in a lot of work and then also it's a huge letdown so it's really not great for morale that said i'm not saying you should never do competitions or, or never do tenders that's i think it's good to have a good balance but what you want to also do is have proactive business development so where you're going after um uh, clients prospective clients that seem interesting to you that you've had some time to kind of look at and and research and and that they fit in with the type of clients that have worked well with you in the past so maybe it's the sector maybe it's the size maybe it's how they seem to present themselves uh, or the people that you've spoken with uh, from that particular company or or those people um and to kind of have a have a list of of different uh, companies that you'd like to work with uh set up uh, ways to contact them or and not necessarily cold calling because that can always feel a bit weird um, and sometimes architects are not the best uh, at maybe this kind of interaction just on the phone to someone you don't know um, but you know trying to establish a relationship um, with with these people through different means uh, and creating a service portfolio maybe to also show the types of services that you have so not necessarily just the the work that you've done but Maybe that you do workshops with with um, with end users, uh, and you have visualizations, or that you do I don't know the permit drawings. These kinds of things, just sort of itemizing and sort of showing how your process works, um, and and so showing that. But also, I think you also can't forget the existing clients because repeat work is really is really where you can um, uh, save a lot of money and a lot of time. So also working with your existing clients, keeping up with them, um, trying to understand what's going on in their space, what they need, uh, what the trends are for them in their sector, for example, so that you can also 
um, get work from them again, and not only just go for, for new projects, because that will actually help to, to make the sales process much more smooth. You already know how these people work. It's, al it's already gone well if you're trying to work with them again, I assume. Um, so that's also a good way. Don't neglect your existing, existing clients and past clients, of course. So even if you haven't worked with them for a long time, it's, it's good to keep that relationship going, check in with them. How's it going? I just did a new project that fits with uh, what we've done. And I, some of the things I learned from that project I was able to use. So thank you for that. I just wanted to check in. I don't know, a, a way of just getting back in touch and, and thinking of business development in that way as well, and not just competitions and vendors. Absolutely. And I think it's um, it's extremely important to look outside of the sort of comfort zone of whatever we taught um, to be the right thing, especially when we come from university, because a lot of things that we somehow practice in university doesn't really apply 100% in real life. And I think, you know, it does come with a little bit of a disappointment when you actually end up going to do an internship and then work in the real practice to see the differences really of what architecture felt or thought to be like at school and then what it ends up to be like. I was definitely under the impression um, that I will have a more like um, thorough experience of building than when I went to do my internship. Uh, I ended up, you know, definitely doing just a lot of drawings, cut drawings, not leaving my desk for hours, <laughs> forget meeting clients or ever going to the construction site. And uh, and I think it's a, it's a bit of a letdown and somehow to realize also that there is different ways in which you can approach sales and growth within the architecture business, especially as an owner, um, it's important. And there is a lot of different channels also online. Like right now we are in the time of COVID and to be honest, all the work is online and through networking, just like you would in a normal um, situation where potentially attending attending events, you know, and looking for the opportunity where you can connect with people. You can do that today also through different social media, especially LinkedIn is great for, for connections, um, but also Facebook and, uh, and other means. So you can always ask yourself, like, where is your client, what they need, and how could you position yourself with your story and with your message um, in front of your audience? Um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to ask you, like, um, actually, how are you do you guys doing marketing now in these times of Corona? Did you maybe focus a little bit more on developing online presence and website or, or generally like content creation as well for the business? Yeah, definitely. I think in general, um, yeah, things are moving uh, more towards the digital space, but I think that's been kind of the way that we need to, to move with the, the profession. Of course, we're a bit slow. We're a profession that tends to be, you know, on the uh, on the like the last ones to kind of get with the <laughs> the times, let's say. Um, but yeah, we've been doing a lot of um, social media um, and just getting the message out there. And we're working now on on redoing, redesigning, reevaluating our website, um, that kind of thing. But yeah, utilizing the the digital tools that you have out there is is a really good way. I mean, as you said, now we're completely online. It's we've, it's been forced upon our profession, which I think is a good thing, <laughs> in a sense that we just kind of been we just had to. So 
we're learning a lot, but I think it's good to just be open with with the um, with everything that's going on online and and use that to your advantage. Like you said, online uh, webinars that are going on, um, events can be really great places to meet with people. Um, and yeah, to also go a little out of your comfort zone um, and get out sometimes of the architecture space, but then get into the space where your clients are. So if it's real estate developers, where are they meeting? Because maybe that's where you need to be as opposed to um, uh, just an architecture discussion or something. It goes back to the, I think you mentioned um, getting published, for example, in a, um, in a magazine for architects where this is not necessarily where your clients are going to be. It's kind of the same with trying to find your clients where they are, what types of things they actually like to read, um, what events they go to, and if you can go there, that you'll have a much better chance of it becoming a, a business development sort of moment than just uh, chatting with peers and uh, discussing architecture, because that's, that's also important. I think it's great to do, but it won't necessarily get you a job <laughs> or a project, let's say, in that way. Yeah. Niasha, I have also a question here from one of the uh, listeners, Sergio Moreno. He's asking, what kind of services do you guys have on your site and what services you promote? It's an architecture firm, but can you mm -hmm. elaborate a little bit about your communication strategy maybe for us? So um, for us, we have different, so we have these sister companies that are also involved in what we do. So we're really specialized in, um, in circularity. And so taking these principles from the circular economy and putting them into the built environment. So we approach it from different ways. Um, at Rao, we're especially, of course, a design firm. So it's really designing for disassembly, um, uh, designing with uh, CLT, for example, and really thinking about how the, the, how the parts come together and how they can have a future, so be disassembled, et cetera. But we also work with Medaster, which is also part of our um, sort of network of companies, let's say, um, which is all about um, material passports. So our projects, when we design them, we make sure that all the parts are uh, sort of itemized and everything, the value and all the properties of the materials are known so that then afterwards they can be reused in the future, which is something that's really important within the circular economy is knowing what you actually have and then how it can be applied uh, in future um, uh, scenarios. And then lastly, we also have Turn2, which is another um, sister company of ours. And so Turn2 is about new business models because the circular economy also requires a different way of thinking about, um, about how, we, how we do business. And so therefore, um, these sort of three come together and then we're able to help our clients in a way that's beyond just design and, and think about it in a more holistic way. And so that's one of the sort of multidisciplinary um, process or approach services that, that we provide. So not just design, but this really holistic way to assist um, with the transition to, to circularity. So that's kind of some of the stuff that, that we uh, do and so we just communicate about this and I think this is one of the things for our new um, uh, website that will also be more visible um, and and uh, um, shown so that we can really show how this works and and what the benefits of that are I hope that answers the question well 
Yes, thank you so much. Sergio says thank you as well. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, actually, and something that I heard in in this you know answer is that you you are also very focused on one niche or one type of service that you provide in architecture. And I think that there is a great power in this because even just by focusing like all the work you know that architects can do, of course, we're designers, but in each and every one of us has like a one thing that we're mostly interested in somehow and i think what's um what's great is being able to communicate that to your audience so that it puts you in the forefront of expertise um on that particular topic right amongst Absolutely. other architecture firms and even just a keyword such as circulation circular economy in this case um already is is something that gets to be remembered so much more specifically somehow for every architecture firm, whatever they do, it's like the next time when I will wonder how can I, you know, maybe apply these kind of solutions to my own architecture firm, I might want to consult someone on this from your office. And I think that this is um, something that we're somehow also missing in architecture is the way we communicate our expertise and really to differentiate ourselves upon um what we do and really communicate what we're into in architecture because there is a beautiful story behind it it's inspirational and somehow it um makes it more special than just saying i'm an architect and yeah. Uh, i yeah i see like architects so often introduce themselves um even to other architects and also their clients as you know i'm a designer i do architecture and that's it if you scroll yeah. through like linkedin profiles um pretty much every architect says their architectural designer or architect and then gives the office they work in um but that really doesn't give all that much away to your client mm -hmm. and that's a description like the one that you just gave I feel now that forever I'll remember the business you work in, obviously as um, circular economy architecture studio that looks into um, all these type of designs and ways of recycling material. And I just find it so interesting because I think it's easier to remember also like what you're about while walking away from a conversation just because of mm -hmm. the way that, that we get to introduce ourselves also, you know, in practice. And I find that it's not uh, practiced so often, actually, um, in architecture. Yeah. So is this something that was uh, somehow that happened organically? Or did you think about narrowing down your niche um, for marketing purposes, communication purposes as well? And I guess altogether, it's a really good business strategy, too. Yeah, I think, um, well, for, for Rao, it's, uh, so we've been around for 30 years. And really, or just a bit less, but the real um, sort of feeling of, of what we want to do is clearly um, embedded in the company. So it's it's not something that's just kind of like a ploy, maybe to you know to to, to sort of bring in um, clients, but it's really a part of our philosophy and our way of seeing things. And Thomas Rao, our founder, is very much a, a visionary when it comes to um, a circular future. And so that's really where we're headed. But I think um, it's absolutely important to have a, have something that that's special about what you're doing. And it's true that we are um, taught to be very much like all-rounded professionals, which is great. But then in a way, we sometimes have a, a bit of trouble to try to pin down uh, you know, what we're doing as opposed to other people, like you were saying earlier. 
Um, so it's important to think about what excites you personally and, and where you find joy and try to um, use that as the way that you, so that's what you can communicate, but that's also what you do. It should always be genuine to, to who you are, to, to the work that you do. And once you're able to sort of find that and, and put words to it, which can be a, a difficult process, it's, it's not easy, but it's, it's an important one to, to, to take on. Once you're able to do that, then you can really communicate it more clearly and you can work on establishing yourself as, a, as an expert in that particular field and, and it becomes more organic. So I think there's, at some point there has to be a very specific moment where you make some decisions and think about what, you know, maybe it's the type of projects that you enjoy most or the types of clients or, or maybe it's just reactions to things. It could just be about people and, and, um, and how you, you just like to see how a family can really um, you know, live and have the joys of all the different people in the, in the family and how that fits in a house and that's what you want to bring to life. It, it can really be anything. It doesn't have to be, um, I don't know, academic or something. It just has to be something that excites you and that when you can communicate that, I think it's really, it's really empowering as well because then you're able to, to get into this particular thing, understand it better, optimize and, and work with people who are also interested in, in you and in what you have and don't just want an architect. Because when you work with clients who just wanted an architect anyway and they didn't really, you know, and they just kind of came across you, it, the relationship is going to be hard. It's going to lead to a tumultuous sort of relationship and project. Um, which probably won't, you know, end well for you, <laughs> probably with not a lot of money and um, maybe a lot of changes to make, extra hours that you weren't planning on having. Um, so if you can try to be clear about also what, what type of thing you're doing, then you'll also attract people who want that. And, and it makes it easier for you to, to just be, to have a nice sort of working atmosphere or environment. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I think it's been uh, very valuable uh, tips and advice. And I really agree 100% with everything you say. And, uh, and you know, it's been really interesting also. Uh, for me, these things came as realization points. You know, it's been like a journey um, mm -hmm. because it's almost like you're ripping off uh, something, you know, that allows you to see more, like a broader yeah. vision. Yeah, uh, because it's true that the traditional system of education somehow put us onto this um, way of being, existing, doing doing business in a very sort of narrow way. And I think that just the fact that we lack that education um, in university, it kind of makes us a little bit insecure to look into other domains also for inspiration, because simply a lot of times we also don't understand like how business elements work. We don't have these foundations. So we somehow get lost in it. And, um, mm -hmm. and then for a lot of architects, I think that it comes quite late in their journey to really start to get a grasp onto it, especially new technologies such as, for example, digitalization and being digital, obtaining clients digitally, doing a, a good communication strategy for yourself, um, actually having a strong website presence as well with well-communicated projects and a good story about your business and what you stand mm -hmm. for and your mission which really like when you look at um, sort of business study, 
almost with every business you were you were thinking to to enter a market you first want to center it in your vision and your mission like your why why are you doing this you know and i think mm -hmm. that we can see that in more successful larger firms that they are oriented around this um but there is i think that a lot of businesses that struggle because they didn't find that one thing um that they they care about truly and that they want to communicate to others but i think that we commit we we connect over passions and we connect over uh that's why so it's really important and fundamental in business to communicate it and and yeah i just hope that architects you know that listen to these kind of talks get inspired and maybe use this time also in corona to rethink some communication strategy or your why because there's um a lot already in what is you know there's already a lot in what you have um and uh, and it's not necessary always to look outside of you know what already is um to find answers or to grow a better business it's sometimes about tweaking some things that already exist mm -hmm. to make it more attractive and to create that value proposition to a client that will be resistible somehow yeah yeah it's just it's about being clear and and true to yourself and uh but it's, it's a challenge but i like you i hope that that this sort of time being at home being sort of centered will help people to to think about it more and take the time to, to develop who they are as an office what their voice is what the what message it is that they want to get out there what types of clients that they want to work with and what the benefits of working with them as opposed to anyone else is and and once you kind of have a a good idea or a feeling about that like run with it because then you know you'll attract the the people that fit so it's an important Absolutely. thing to do exactly um so I'm, i want to wrap it up slowly but i actually wanted to ask you just one thing um i really love this tagline that you use always for yourself archivism uh do you want to tell us a little bit about it and if there is any way in which people um can follow you somewhere or or join any landing page or mailing list or whatever to find out more about the work that you do um is you know you can also kind of recommend a place to, for, for them to go or maybe just to uh, share the link also in the comments to the article that you write. Um, but yeah, archive, archivism, um, standing for thinking global, acting local. Um, I love this. I know that it came from your dissertation um, and, and I love the way that you invented that word somehow for yourself. Uh, I think you should st start a movement. <laughs> yeah that's this is the idea this is the idea so activism what i love about it is also that everyone it's like a tongue twister you know in my mind i was like activism was clear and everyone i speak to is like Ar -ar. it's very funny um but yeah it's really a, a term for me that i i just kind of coined because i was thinking about yeah reform whether it's uh social whether it's environmental whether it's to do with technology or to do with business or marketing but it's kind of about these these changes that are going on um, in the profession that also I'm very interested in and want to push. And so I think, yeah, being an activist is just about driving these changes and thinking about them and, and trying to take the profession to the next step, let's say. Um, we have some work to do as a profession to kind of um, to innovate and to think about things in, in new ways. Um, and that's really what activism is about. And I think 
lots of us are activists in a way. Yes, I've, I've put this term out there, but you're an activist, Sarah, for sure. Yeah, some sort of symbol, some sort of thing. Um, <laughs> but for sure, it's uh, for now, you can kind of follow me on, on LinkedIn. Um, but yes, coming soon, there will be a, a LinkedIn page or something um, for activists to kind of come together. Um, so that will be coming soon, hopefully, yeah, very soon. Um, but yeah, it's really just about thinking about things differently. And, um, and as you were saying earlier, you know, I, I feel that I, I don't want to just be another architect. In a way, I think being an activist it's also about branding, it's about positioning, it's about um, saying who you are in, in just a word, in a sense, and, and that's really what it's about. But I, I love the idea that it can include a lot of other people because there's, there's so many people like you who are doing podcasts, who are writing books, who are just reaching out to different people who have a different vision for our profession in general and who are facilitating that. And, that's what being an activist is. So, yeah. Exactly. I, I already joined this uh, mental <laughs> state of mind, you know, for architects. The moment it materializes into a group, a website, or whatever, I'm in. So, cool. I will yeah. let you know as soon as so it's live. Transform live, and it's true. We do as architects, and I think that we, we have a capacity to do it on so many different levels, you know. We can change the physical environment, but we can also uh, change truly. The way people live lives and the quality um, and mindsets yeah. and beliefs as well. Absolutely. <laughs> so on that note, Niasha, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been very inspirational. I will share the links to your LinkedIn and everything under the, the posts. And thank you also for everyone who has been participating and listening. Um, wishing you all a lovely evening and we'll see you all soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Architecture Talk Tank has its own frequency. We're not a regular podcast, but we are here for you, always. If you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.